And now, more with your host, Pastor Richard Dietering, on Wham. I'm Derek Stone, filling in for Pastor Richard Dietering today on Moment of Clarity. He's out celebrating his birthday today, and today I am honoring the following American soldiers in honor of this coming Monday, being that we observe Memorial Day as a country. In the first half of the program, if you are just tuning in, I played a speech from former United States President Ronald Reagan from May 26, 1986, and then I also was profiling some great American soldiers who received the Medal of Honor for their work in, in combat as a result of them losing their lives fighting for our freedom. So continuing on with some Medal of Honor recipients, actually I'm going to start mentioning some athletes who lost their lives fighting for our country. The first is Marines First Lieutenant Jack Lummis in World War II. And I'd like to play some audio courtesy of Giants.com. That's the official website of the New York Giants football team. In 1941, Jack Lummis was a 6'3", 200-pound rookie who played both offensive and defensive end for the New York Giants. Born on October 22, 1915, he was the youngest child and only boy born to Laura Francis Lummis and Andrew Jackson Lummis Sr., and from an early age, Jack had earned the reputation as a talented athlete. Jack's talent and determination earned him a scholarship to Baylor University, where he was an all-Southwest Conference player in both football and baseball. He excelled in high school, college, and I uh, believe he wanted to just test the limits of how far his athleticism would take him. After a stellar collegiate career at Baylor, Jack had his sights set on being a pro. And in the spring of 1941, this country boy was off to the big city where he signed a uniform player's contract with the New York football Giants. Jack would only play in nine games for the Giants, but he quickly earned praise for his talent, determination, and hard work. New York's final game of the regular season was against their crosstown rival, the Brooklyn Dodgers. The date was December the 7th, 1941. I was carrying the ball when they made the announcement that we were at war with Japan and they just bombed Pearl Harbor and uh, that took the wind out of everybody. Jack played his final game with the Giants in the 1941 NFL Championship game, a 37-9 loss to the Chicago Bears. But with the United States now at war, Jack decided that his love of country far outweighed his passion for sports. His greatest passion was to play football, yet when the war broke out, his calling was to serve his country. On January 30th, 1942, Jack Lummis enlisted in the United States Marine Corps, and he penned a letter to Giants owner Jack Mara, letting him know of his courageous decision. Dear Jack, I joined the Marines about seven weeks ago and have just now completed my preliminary training here in San Diego. Jack, I would like to take this opportunity to tell you how much I enjoyed playing with the Giants and to thank Duke Wellington, Mr. Mara, and Coach Owen for everything. 
I'll never forget my rookie year with the Giants. Best of luck this coming season. Yours truly, Jack Lummis. Lummis quickly rose through the military ranks, and by 1944, he was assigned as an executive officer and company commander. A year later, as the fighting intensified, Jack's unit was called into action. And on the morning of February 19, 1945, he landed on Iwo Jima in the first wave of assault troops. Lieutenant Jack Loomis was selected to come up and be and take us through the gorge. He was to come up and dig us out of our foxholes and get us going. The Battle of Iwo Jima was one of the most savage in the history of the Marine Corps. After twice being knocked over by grenade blasts, Lummis continued to lead his men in combat when he stepped on a landmine blowing off both of his legs. But he miraculously pulled himself up, courageously giving orders to his troops. The heroism, unspeakable valor that he displayed on, on that day. Men who served under him loved him. They'd go anywhere with him. They said so. Lummis died that day on Iwo Jima, and his last words to the attending medic was, I guess the New York Giants have lost the services of a damn good end. Jack was a, a real gore right from the start, and he had football on his mind to his death. And uh, he said the Giants had lost a great end, and we all agreed that he had. There was a lot of tears in, in the dressing room knowing that he had mortal wounds, to go back to think of, of his dream of being with the Giants and uh, what they had lost. And it shows his love of sports and his love for the Giants. Andrew Jackson Lummis Jr. gave his life in service to his country on March the 8th, 1945, in the battle for Iwo Jima. After his death, Lummis was awarded the Congressional Medal of Honor one of two NFL players ever to be bestowed that distinction. For an individual to sacrifice themselves for others uh, is the most incredible, selfless act a human being can make. Uh, and to win the Congressional Medal of Honor and for Jack Lummis to have attained that speaks volumes to who that person is. If you'd like to join in the conversation, the phone number is 734-822-1600. I'm your host, Derek Stone, here on Moment of Clarity, substituting for Pastor Richard Dietering, who is out celebrating his birthday today. Today, I am honoring the fallen American soldiers. In honor of this coming Monday, we observe Memorial Day as a nation. And I've got a phone call on the line right now. Welcome to Moment of Clarity. And it's a fine job you're doing, Derek. Thank you very much. One of the best Memorial Day shows I've heard this weekend so far. Thank you very much, Ed. Is there anything you'd like to mention? Did, did, did you? I know you served in the American military, so I'd like to thank you for your service. Do you, do you have any stories of any fallen soldiers that you'd like to share? There was a guy that... You got to remember my Marine friends joke that I wasn't in the military, I was in the Air Force. But there was a guy that I served with, and we both had orders to Turkey. Now, Turkey wasn't a war zone, but the uh, the Kurdish uh, uh, resistance front, the PRK, they were a terror. They are a terrorist group. And um, after I left, 
Uh, my friend was walking down the same street I walked down regularly, spilling clothes, because we were directed to wear spilling clothes and what we were doing. And he was walking down the street, and uh, he was shot and killed. It wasn't combat, but he was shot and killed in the service of his country because he represented America. Well, that, that, that certainly is a terrible, tragic way to have his life end, but but I, I applaud him for his service along with you, and and he, he certainly should be honored for the this coming Memorial Day. So I, I truly appreciate you sharing that with us, Ed. If, and if there's anything else you'd like to share, go right ahead. I love the song about Private Malone. I really love that. That was great. Thanks a lot. Okay. Talk to you later. All right, Ed. Thank Bye. you very much. So you just heard that audio there about Marine's first lieutenant, Jack Lummis, in World War II. He posthumously received the Medal of Honor for serving his country, the United States of America, in combat. And his Medal of Honor citation reads, For conspicuous gallantry and intrepidity at the risk of his life above and beyond the call of duty as leader of a rifle platoon attached to the 2D Battalion 27th Marines, 5th Marine Division, in action against enemy Japanese forces on Iwo Jima and the Volcano Islands, March 8, 1945, resuming his assault tactics with bold decision after fighting without respite for two days and nights. Lummis slowly advanced his platoon against an enemy deeply entrenched in a network of mutually supporting positions. Suddenly halted by a terrific concentration of a hostile fire, he unhesitatingly moved forward of his front lines in an effort to neutralize the Japanese position. Although knocked to the ground when an enemy grenade exploded close by, he immediately recovered himself and, again moving forward despite the intensified barrage, quickly located, attacked, and destroyed the occupied emplacement. Instantly taken under fire by the garrison of a supporting pillbox and further assailed by the slashing fury of hostile rifle fire, he fell under the impact of a second enemy grenade, but courageously disregarding painful shoulder wounds, staunchly continued his heroic one-man assault and charged the second pillbox, annihilating all the occupants. Subsequently returning to his platoon position, he fearlessly traversed his lines under fire, encouraging his men to advance and directing the fire of supporting tanks against other stubbornly holding Japanese emplacements. Held up again by a devastating barrage, he again moved into the open, rushed a third heavily fortified installation, and killed the defending troops. Determined to crush all resistance, he led his men indomitably, personally attacking foxholes and spider traps with his carbine and systematically reducing the fanatic opposition until stepping on a landmine. He sustained fatal wounds. By his outstanding valor, skilled tactics, and tenacious perseverance in the face of overwhelming odds, Lummis had inspired his stout-hearted Marines to continue the relentless drive northward, thereby contributing materially to the success of his regimental mission. 
his dauntless leadership and unwavering devotion to duty throughout sustain and enhance the highest traditions of the U.S. Naval Service. He gallantly gave his life in the service of his country. Another athlete who was posthumously, posthumously awarded the Medal of Honor, he was a minor league baseball pitcher by the name of John Pinder. He also served in World War II. And according to Baseball's Greatest Sacrifice.com, he played for the Butler Indians in 1935, Sanford Lookouts in 1938 and 1939, Fort Pierce Bombers in 1940 and 1941, and the Greenville Lions in 1941. His Medal of Honor citation reads as follows. For conspicuous gallantry and intrepidity above and beyond the call of duty on June 6, 1944, near Colville-sur-Mer, France, on D-Day, Pinder landed on the coast 100 yards offshore under devastating enemy machine gun and artillery fire, which caused severe casualties along among the boatload. Carrying a vitally important radio, he struggled towards shore in waist-deep water. Only a few yards from his craft, he was hit by enemy fire and was gravely wounded. Pinder never stopped. He made sure and delivered the radio. Refusing to take cover afforded or to accept medical attention for his wounds, Pinder, through terribly weakened by loss of blood and in fierce pain, on three occasions went into the fire-swept surf to salvage communication equipment. He recovered many vital parts and equipment, including another workable radio. On the third trip, he was again hit, suffering machine gun bullet wounds in the legs. Still, this valiant soldier would not stop for rest or medical attention. Remaining exposed to heavy enemy fire, Growing steadily weaker, he aided in establishing the vital radio communications on the beach. While so engaged, this dauntless soldier was hit for the third time and killed. This indomitable courage and personal bravery of technician 5th grade Pender was a magnificent inspiration to the men with whom he served. If you're just tuning in, my name is Derek Stone. I'm the substitute host for today's Moment of Clarity program in place of Pastor Richard Dietering, who is out celebrating his birthday today. Today I am honoring the fallen American soldiers in honor of this coming Monday. We are observing Memorial Day as a nation. And specifically I am speaking of the Medal of Honor recipients for fallen American soldiers who tragically lost their lives fighting for our freedom as a nation. So continuing on with another athlete who was posthumously awarded the Medal of Honor, Marines 2nd Lieutenant Terry Graves in the Vietnam War. He was a catcher for the Miami University in Ohio. His Medal of Honor citation reads as follows. For conspicuous gallantry and intrepidity at the risk of his life above and beyond the call of duty as a platoon commander with the 3rd Force Reconnaissance Company, 
3rd Reconnaissance Battalion, 3rd Marine Division in the Republic of Vietnam on February 16, 1968. While on a large-range reconnaissance mission, Lieutenant Graves' eight-man patrol observed seven enemy soldiers approaching their position. Reacting instantly, he deployed his men and directed their fire on the approaching enemy. After the fire had ceased, he and two patrol members commenced a search of the area and suddenly came under a heavy volume of hostile small arms and automatic weapons fire from a numerically superior enemy force. When one of his men was hit by enemy fire, Lieutenant Graves moved through the fire-swept area to his radio and, while directing suppressive fire from his men, requested air support and adjusted a heavy volume of artillery and helicopter gunship fire upon the enemy. After attending the wounded, Lieutenant Graves, accompanied by another Marine, moved from his relatively safe position to confirm the results of the earlier engagement. Observing that several of the enemy were still alive, he launched a determined assault, eliminating the remaining enemy troops. He then began moving the patrol to a landing zone for extraction when the unit came again came under intense fire, which wounded two more Marines and Lieutenant Graves. Refusing medical attention, he once more adjusted airstrikes and artillery fire upon the enemy while directing the fire of his men. He led his men to a new landing site into which he skillfully guided the incoming aircraft and boarded his men while remaining exposed to the hostile fire. Realizing that one of the wounded had not embarked, he directed the aircraft to depart, along with another Marine, moved to the side of the casualty. Confronted with a shortage of ammunition, Lieutenant Graves utilized supporting arms and directed fire until a second helicopter arrived. At this point, the volume of the enemy fire intensified, hitting the helicopter and causing it to crash shortly after liftoff. All aboard were killed. Lieutenant Graves' outstanding courage, superb leadership, and indomitable fighting spirit throughout the day were in keeping with the highest traditions of the Marine Corps and the United States Naval Service. He gallantly gave his life for his country. And I would like to mention one fallen American soldier who was posthumously awarded the Navy Cross. And this man played for the Detroit Lions in 1942. His name is Marines 2nd Lieutenant Charlie Behan. He served in World War II, and his Navy Cross citation reads as follows. And it's courtesy of valor.militarytimes.com. The President of the United States takes pride in presenting the Navy Cross posthumously to Charles Edwin Behan, 2nd Lieutenant, U.S. Marine Corps Reserve, for extraordinary heroism as a platoon leader attached to Company F, 2nd Battalion, 29th Marines, 6th Marine Division, during action against enemy Japanese forces on Okinawa, Raikou Islands, May 18, 1945. 
refusing extraction after first aid treatment for a shrapnel wound in the mouth received while he was moving into position for an assault on Sugarloaf Hill. First Lieutenant Behan remained steadfast with his platoon and, despite his inability to talk, directed the movements of his platoon by arm and hand signals. Risking his life by taking an exposed position well in front of the platoon so that his men could see his signals. He led the attack through withering enemy fire and, although hit again and mortally wounded, dragged himself behind a rock and continued to convey his instructions to his men and direct the attack until he lost consciousness. By his daring initiative, staunch leadership, extreme fortitude, and perseverance in the face of overwhelming odds, First Lieutenant Behan contributed immeasurably to the successful completion of the company's mission. His courageous and unfaltering devotion to duty was in keeping with the highest traditions of the United States Naval Service. He gallantly gave his life for his country. And I would like to thank you very much for joining me today on this special Memorial Day program as I honored the fallen American soldiers who lost their lives fighting for our freedom as a nation. I would like to end today's program with another special song commemorating Memorial Day. This song is by Billy Ray Cyrus and is called Some Gave All. Thank you very much for joining me here on Moment of Clarity. Called him Sandy Cain Few folks even knew his name But a hero, yes, was he Left boy, come back man Still many just don't understand About the reasons we are Can't forget the look in his eyes Or the tears he cried As he said these words to me All gave some Some gave all Some stood through for the red, white, and blue some had to fall And if you ever think of me Think of all your liberties and recall Some Cain is no longer here But his words are also clear They echo throughout our land For all his friends who gave us all Who stood the ground and took the fall 
help their fellow man. I love your country and live with pride. And don't forget those who died. America, can't you see? All gave some And some gave all And some stood through For the red, white, and blue And some had to fall And if you ever think of me Think of all your liberties And recall And now, more with your host, Pastor Richard Dietering, on Wham! I'm Derek Stone, filling in for Pastor Richard Dietering today on Moment of Clarity. He's out celebrating his birthday today, and today I am honoring the following American soldiers in honor of this coming Monday being that we observe Memorial Day as a country. In the first half of the program, if you are just tuning in, I played a speech from former United States President Ronald Reagan from May 26, 1986. And then I also was profiling some great American soldiers who received the Medal of Honor for their work in, in combat as a result of them losing their lives fighting for our freedom. So continuing on with some Medal of Honor recipients. Actually, I'm going to start mentioning some athletes who lost their lives fighting for our country. The first is Marines First Lieutenant Jack Lummis in World War II, and I'd like to play some audio courtesy of Giants.com. That's the official website of the New York Giants football team. In 1941, Jack Lummis was a 6'3", 200-pound rookie who played both offensive and defensive end for the New York Giants. Born on October 22, 1915, he was the youngest child and only boy born to Laura Francis Lummis and Andrew Jackson Lummis Sr. And from an early age, Jack had earned the reputation as a talented athlete. Jack's talent and determination earned him a scholarship to Baylor University where he was an all-Southwest Conference player in both football and baseball. He excelled in high school, college, and I uh, believe he wanted to just test the limits of how far his athleticism would take him. After a stellar collegiate career at Baylor, Jack had his sights set on being a pro. And in the spring of 1941, this country boy was off to the big city, where he signed a uniform player's contract with the New York football giants. Jack would only play in nine games for the Giants, but he quickly earned praise for his talent, determination, and hard work. New York's final game of the regular season was against their crosstown rival, the Brooklyn Dodgers. The date was December the 7th, 1941. I was carrying the ball when they made the announcement that we were at war with Japan and they just bombed Pearl Harbor. And uh, that took the wind out of everybody. 
Jack played his final game with the Giants in the 1941 NFL Championship game, a 37-9 loss to the Chicago Bears. But with the United States now at war, Jack decided that his love of country far outweighed his passion for sports. His greatest passion was to play football, yet when the war broke out, his calling was to serve his country. On January 30th, 1942, Jack Lummis enlisted in the United States Marine Corps, and he penned a letter to Giants owner Jack Mara, letting him know of his courageous decision. Dear Jack, I joined the Marines about seven weeks ago and have just now completed my preliminary training here in San Diego. Jack, I would like to take this opportunity to tell you how much I enjoyed playing with the Giants and to thank Duke Wellington, Mr. Mara, and Coach Owen for everything. I'll never forget my rookie year with the Giants. Best of luck this coming season. Yours truly, Jack Lummis. Lummis quickly rose through the military ranks, and by 1944, he was assigned as an executive officer and company commander. A year later, as the fighting intensified, Jack's unit was called into action. And on the morning of February 19, 1945, he landed on Iwo Jima in the first wave of assault troops. Lieutenant Jack Loomis was selected to come up and be and take us through the gorge. He was to come up and dig us out of our foxholes and get us going. The Battle of Iwo Jima was one of the most savage in the history of the Marine Corps. After twice being knocked over by grenade blasts, Lummis continued to lead his men in combat when he stepped on a landmine blowing off both of his legs. But he miraculously pulled himself up, courageously giving orders to his troops. The heroism, unspeakable valor that he displayed on, on that day. Men who served under him loved him. They'd go anywhere with him. They said so. Lummis died that day on Iwo Jima, and his last words to the attending medic was, I guess the New York Giants have lost the services of a damn good end. Jack was a, a real gore right from the start, and had football on his mind to his death. And uh, he said that Giants had lost a great end, and we all agreed that he had. There was a lot of tears in, in the dressing room. Knowing that he had mortal wounds, to go back to think of, of his dream of being with the Giants and uh, what they had lost, and it shows his love of, of sports and his love for the Giants. Andrew Jackson Lummis Jr. gave his life in service to his country on March the 8th, 1945, in the battle for Iwo Jima. After his death, Lummis was awarded the Congressional Medal of Honor, one of two NFL players ever to be bestowed that distinction. For an individual to sacrifice themselves for others uh, is the most incredible, selfless act a human being can make. Uh, and to win the Congressional Medal of Honor and for Jack Lummis to have attained that speaks volumes to who that person is. If you'd like to join in the conversation, the phone number is 734-822-1600. I'm your host, Derek Stone, here on Moment of Clarity, substituting for Pastor Richard Dietering, who is out celebrating his birthday today. 
Today, I am honoring the fallen American soldiers. In honor of this coming Monday, we observe Memorial Day as a nation. And I've got a phone call on the line right now. Welcome to Moment of Clarity. And it's a fine job you're doing, Derek. Thank you very much. One of the best Memorial Day shows I've heard this weekend so far. Thank you very much, Ed. Is there anything you'd like to mention? Did, did, did you? I know you served in the American military, so I'd like to thank you for your service. Do you, do you have any stories of any fallen soldiers that you'd like to share? There was a guy that, you got to remember my Marine friends joke that I wasn't in the military, I was in the Air Force. But there was a guy that I served with, and we both had orders to Turkey. Now, Turkey wasn't a war zone, but the, uh, the Kurdish uh, uh, resistance front, the PRK, they were a terror. They are a terrorist group. And um, after I left, uh, my friend was walking down the same street. I walked down regularly, spilling clothes, because we were directed to wear spilling clothes and what we were doing. And he was walking down the street, and uh, he was shot and killed. It wasn't combat, but he was shot and killed in the service of his country because he represented America. Well, that, that, that certainly is a terrible, tragic way to have his life end, but but I, I applaud him for his service along with you, and and he, he certainly should be honored for the this coming Memorial Day. So I, I truly appreciate you sharing that with us, Ed. If, and if there's anything else you'd like to share, go right ahead. I love the song about Private Malone. I really love that. That was great. Thanks a lot. Okay. Talk to you later. All right, Ed. Thank Bye. you very much. So you just heard that audio there about Marine's first lieutenant, Jack Lummis, in World War II. He posthumously received the Medal of Honor for serving his country, the United States of America, in combat. And his Medal of Honor citation reads, For conspicuous gallantry and intrepidity at the risk of his life above and beyond the call of duty as leader of a rifle platoon attached to the 2D Battalion 27th Marines, 5th Marine Division, in action against enemy Japanese forces on Iwo Jima and the Volcano Islands, March 8, 1945, resuming his assault tactics with bold decision after fighting without respite for two days and nights, Lummis slowly advanced his platoon against an enemy deeply entrenched in a network of mutually supporting positions. Suddenly halted by a terrific concentration of a hostile fire, he unhesitatingly moved forward of his front lines in an effort to neutralize the Japanese position. Although knocked to the ground when an enemy grenade exploded close by, he immediately recovered himself and, again moving forward despite the intensified barrage, quickly located, attacked, and destroyed the occupied emplacement. Instantly taken under fire by the garrison of a supporting pillbox and further assailed by the slashing fury of hostile rifle fire, he fell under the impact of a second enemy grenade, but courageously disregarding painful shoulder wounds, staunchly continued his heroic one-man assault and charged the second pillbox, annihilating all the occupants. Subsequently returning to his platoon position, he fearlessly traversed his lines under fire 
encouraging his men to advance and directing the fire of supporting tanks against other stubbornly holding Japanese emplacements. Held up again by a devastating barrage, he again moved into the open, rushed a third heavily fortified installation, and killed the defending troops. Determined to crush all resistance, he led his men indomitably, personally attacking foxholes and spider traps with his carbine and systematically reducing the fanatic opposition until stepping on a landmine. He sustained fatal wounds. By his outstanding valor, skilled tactics, and tenacious perseverance in the face of overwhelming odds, Lummis had inspired his stout-hearted Marines to continue the relentless drive northward, thereby contributing materially to the success of his regimental mission. His dauntless leadership and unwavering devotion to duty throughout sustain and enhance the highest traditions of the U.S. Naval Service. He gallantly gave his life in the service of his country. Another athlete who was posthumously posthumously awarded the Medal of Honor. He was a minor league baseball pitcher by the name of John Pinder. He also served in World War II. And according to Baseball's GreatestSacrifice.com, he played for the Butler Indians in 1935, Sanford Lookouts in 1938 and 1939, Fort Pierce Bombers in 1940 and 1941, and the Greenville Lions in 1941. His Medal of Honor citation reads as follows. For conspicuous gallantry and intrepidity above and beyond the call of duty on June 6, 1944, near Colville-sur-Mer, France, on D-Day, Pinder landed on the coast 100 yards offshore under devastating enemy machine gun and artillery fire, which caused severe casualties along among the boatload. Carrying a vitally important radio, he struggled towards shore in waist-deep water. Only a few yards from his craft, he was hit by enemy fire and was gravely wounded. Pinder never stopped. He made shore and delivered the radio. Refusing to take cover afforded or to accept medical attention for his wounds, Pinder, through terribly weakened by loss of blood and in fierce pain, on three occasions went into the fire-swept surf to salvage communication equipment. He recovered many vital parts and equipment, including another workable radio. On the third trip, he was again hit, suffering machine gun bullet wounds in the legs. Still, this valiant soldier would not stop for rest or medical attention. Remaining exposed to heavy enemy fire, growing steadily weaker, he aided in establishing the vital radio communications on the beach. While so engaged, this dauntless soldier was hit for the third time and killed. This indomitable courage and personal bravery of technician 5th grade Pender was a magnificent inspiration to the men with whom he served. If you're just tuning in, my name is Derek Stone. I'm the substitute host for today's Moment of Clarity program in place of Pastor Richard Dietering, 
who is out celebrating his birthday today. Today I am honoring the fallen American soldiers in honor of this coming Monday. We are observing Memorial Day as a nation. And specifically I am speaking of the Medal of Honor recipients for fallen American soldiers who tragically lost their lives fighting for our freedom as a nation. So continuing on with another athlete who was posthumously awarded the Medal of Honor, Marines 2nd Lieutenant Terry Graves in the Vietnam War. He was a catcher for the Miami University in Ohio. His Medal of Honor citation reads as follows. For conspicuous gallantry and intrepidity at the risk of his life above and beyond the call of duty as a platoon commander with the 3rd Force Reconnaissance Company, 3rd Reconnaissance Battalion, 3rd Marine Division in the Republic of Vietnam on February 16, 1968. While on a large-range reconnaissance mission, Lieutenant Graves' eight-man patrol observed seven enemy soldiers approaching their position. Reacting instantly, he deployed his men and directed their fire on the approaching enemy. After the fire had ceased, he and two patrol members commenced a search of the area and suddenly came under a heavy volume of hostile small arms and automatic weapons fire from a numerically superior enemy force. When one of his men was hit by enemy fire, Lieutenant Graves moved through the fire-swept area to his radio and, while directing suppressive fire from his men, requested air support and adjusted a heavy volume of artillery and helicopter gunship fire upon the enemy. After attending the wounded, Lieutenant Graves, accompanied by another Marine, moved from his relatively safe position to confirm the results of the earlier engagement. Observing that several of the enemy were still alive, he launched a determined assault, eliminating the remaining enemy troops. He then began moving the patrol to a landing zone for extraction when the unit came again came under intense fire, which wounded two more Marines and Lieutenant Graves. Refusing medical attention, he once more adjusted airstrikes and artillery fire upon the enemy while directing the fire of his men. He led his men to a new landing site into which he skillfully guided the incoming aircraft and boarded his men while remaining exposed to the hostile fire. Realizing that one of the wounded had not embarked, he directed the aircraft to depart, along with another Marine, moved to the side of the casualty. Confronted with a shortage of ammunition, Lieutenant Graves utilized supporting arms and directed fire until a second helicopter arrived. At this point, the volume of the enemy fire intensified, hitting the helicopter and causing it to crash shortly after liftoff. All aboard were killed. Lieutenant Graves's outstanding courage, superb leadership, and indomitable fighting spirit throughout the day were in keeping with the highest traditions of the Marine Corps and the United States Naval Service. He gallantly gave his life for his country. And I would like to mention 
one fallen American soldier who was posthumously awarded the Navy Cross. And this man played for the Detroit Lions in 1942. His name is Marines 2nd Lieutenant Charlie Behan. He served in World War II, and his Navy Cross citation reads as follows. And it's courtesy of valor.militarytimes.com. The President of the United States takes pride in presenting the Navy Cross posthumously to Charles Edwin Behan, 2nd Lieutenant, U.S. Marine Corps Reserve, for extraordinary heroism as a platoon leader attached to Company F, 2nd Battalion, 29th Marines, 6th Marine Division, during action against enemy Japanese forces on Okinawa, Raikou Islands, May 18, 1945 refusing extraction after first aid treatment for a shrapnel wound in the mouth received while he was moving into position for an assault on Sugarloaf Hill, First Lieutenant Behan remained steadfast with his platoon and, despite his inability to talk, directed the movements of his platoon by arm and hand signals, risking his life by taking an exposed position well in front of the platoon so that his men could see his signals. He led the attack through withering enemy fire and, although hit again and mortally wounded, dragged himself behind a rock and continued to convey his instructions to his men and direct the attack until he lost consciousness. By his daring initiative, staunch leadership, extreme fortitude, and perseverance in the face of overwhelming odds, First Lieutenant Behan contributed immeasurably to the successful completion of the company's mission. His courageous and unfaltering devotion to duty was in keeping with the highest traditions of the United States Naval Service. He gallantly gave his life for his country. And I would like to thank you very much for joining me today on this special Memorial Day program as I honored the fallen American soldiers who lost their lives fighting for our freedom as a nation. I would like to end today's program with another special song commemorating Memorial Day. This song is by Billy Ray Cyrus and is called Some Gave All. Thank you very much for joining me here on Moment of Clarity. Called him Sandy Kane You folks even knew his name But a hero, yes, was he Left boy, come back man Still many just don't understand About the reasons we are Can't forget the look in his eyes Or the tears he cried As he said these words to me All gave some Some gave all Some stood through for the red, white, and blue some had to fall And 
Some 